0: This Day in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History Class, a show for those who can never know enough about history. I'm Gabe Louzier, and in this episode, we're talking about stopping by woods on a snowy evening, a long-standing gateway poem for students of literature in the United States and beyond. The day was March 7th, 1923. Robert Frost's poem, Stopping by Woods on a Snowy Evening, was published in New Republic Magazine. Later that year, the poem was also included in New Hampshire, Robert Frost's third and final poetry collection, which went on to win a Pulitzer Prize in 1924. One of the poet's best-known and most esteemed works Stopping by woods on a snowy evening is a fixture of English curricula in American schools. For millions of students, it serves as an entry point both to Frost's own work and to poetry in general. The poem's brevity is part of its classroom appeal. At just 16 lines long, Frost described it as, quote, a short poem with a long name. Another point in the poem's favor is that it tells a clear, simple story while also leaving enough ambiguity to keep things interesting. It's written from the perspective of a lone traveler in a horse-drawn wagon. Despite the cold, and although he has business to attend to, the traveler stops between a frozen lake and the edge of a nearby forest. The traveler stands and silently observes the snowy winter scene before him, transfixed by its beauty. Sometime later, the spell is broken, and the traveler sets out again. If you've never heard the poem before, well, now's the time. Here it is being read by Robert Frost himself. Stopping by woods on a snowy evening. Whose woods these are, I think I know. His house is in the village, though. He will not see me stopping here to watch his woods fill up with snow. My little horse must think it queer to stop without a farmhouse near between the woods and frozen lake. The darkest evening of the year, he gives his harness bells a shake to ask if there is some mistake. The only other sounds, the sweep of easy wind and downy flake. The woods are lovely, dark and deep, but I have promises to keep, and miles to go before I sleep, and miles to go before I sleep. Much of Robert Frost's poetry presents a realistic look at life in rural New England, written in plain spoken language. And there's a good reason why. In the years before he became one of America's most beloved poets, Frost was the owner of a 30-acre farm in Derry, New Hampshire. He farmed to support his family while piecing together his first book in his spare time. But despite his long association with farming and country living, Frost himself was said to be a lousy farmer. Part of the problem could have been that most of his income came from selling poetry to magazines and journals. Writing left him with less time for farming. And since the writing is what brought in the money, he probably didn't feel the need to be as strict and attentive to his farm as his full-time farming neighbors. That said, Frost, his wife Eleanor, and their four children really could have used the extra income that a healthy, functioning farm would have provided. They struggled to run the farm for nearly two decades, from the late 1890s to 1912, but it never became profitable. Frost grew more and more depressed as his family sank deeper into poverty, and it's believed that one particularly low point later inspired him to write Stopping by Woods on a Snowy Evening. As the story goes, Frost had gone to his local market one winter solstice to sell the meager harvest of his farm. He had hoped to earn enough to see his family through the winter and to buy Christmas presents for his children. However, at the end of the day, his profits were nowhere near enough. On the ride home, he was so distraught that he stopped on the side of the road and began to cry. Those kinds of personal details aren't included in the final poem. And by leaving them out, it becomes much more open to interpretation. Still, many readers and scholars have suggested that the speaker of the poem is the author himself. Some have even interpreted the poem as a reflection of Frost's melancholy mental state. In that view, the woods beckon with the promise of rest, not just from a long day or a tiring journey, but from life itself. The sleep, mentioned in the fourth stanza, being a metaphor for death. There is evidence in the poem to support that darker interpretation. The speaker seems to feel out of step with the world at large. They're self-conscious of how strange it would look if someone saw them lingering on a cold, dark night for no apparent reason. They even project that insecurity onto their horse, imagining that the animal thinks they must have stopped by mistake. The themes of exhaustion, paranoia, isolation, and obligation are all present in the poem, but so are the ideas of tranquility, optimism, and determination. The conventions and expectations of society weigh heavily on the traveler, but the mystery and beauty of the natural world have a revitalizing effect on them. In this moment of stillness, the speaker remembers his commitments, the promises he's made, the reason that he's out riding alone on a dark, snowy evening in the first place. Whatever sleep is in the poem, whether it waits at the end of a fulfilled day or a fulfilled lifetime, the traveler chooses to forego it for the time being and to press on instead. The repetition of the final line underscores that sense of unfinished business that must be dealt with. Of course, that's just one way to look at it. Others have suggested that the poem is actually about a weary Santa Claus taking a breather during a long night of delivering presents. The little horse, in that case, would be a reindeer. And sure, that fits. All the same themes would still apply. As for the Frost family, in 1912, they moved to England to make a fresh start. Now pushing 40, the poet was struggling to finish his first collection, and away from the farm, he was finally able to do it. The book was titled A Boy's Will, and was released in the UK in 1913. It was so well-received by British critics that Frost was able to secure a U.S. publishing contract for his second book, North of Boston. The poet's fame continued to grow in his home country, and when World War I broke out, Frost decided to move back to New England and give farming one more try. True to form, he still did more writing than farming but at least now he could better afford that trade-off. According to the poet, stopping by woods on a snowy evening was written on his farm early one morning in a sudden fit of inspiration. Frost had just pulled an all-nighter, working on a lengthy poem that would serve as the centerpiece of his third collection. He lost track of time, and when he had finished, he realized it was almost dawn. Instead of going straight to bed, Frost stepped outside to watch the sunrise and in those tired moments of reflection, he wound up writing one of the most memorable works of his entire career. He later described it as, quote, his best effort for remembrance. He left behind plenty of other strong contenders for that title, including Mending Wall, Birches, Fire and Ice, and of course, The Road Not Taken. But for anyone who feels driven, to see a task through, no matter how long or daunting the path forward may seem, Frost's ode to unfinished business is pretty tough to beat. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you enjoyed today's show, consider following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Show. You can also rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, or you can write to us directly at, this day at iHeartMedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class.